This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Last Sunday I told you that Pentecost Sunday, the day of Pentecost that we read of in Acts chapter 2 was the day when God himself collided with humanity. Was when Jesus gave his spirit for the disciples, the empowerment. And I've already made reference to it. If you got my call, by the way, I can see if you answered or not. I made reference in that call as well. The ingredients that I talked about last Sunday for the recipe for Pentecost obedience, prayer patience, gathering, and unity. Today I want to dive in, and it's seriously a very surface level, but I want to look at the purpose of Pentecost, and then next Sunday I intend, if nothing changes, to talk about the power of Pentecost. You got that Acts chapter 2? It's worth giving him a second because I'm reading the whole chapter. And so I want you to be able to follow along. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, amazed. Everywhere, what word you astonished? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Let's pause. First of all, when Pentecost showed up, the people gathered. You see that? So we can't help but wonder if people aren't gathering, is it maybe because we don't have enough move of the Holy Spirit in our midst? Is it because we're not willing to dive in? And is it because we're not willing to stop and rest and just sit a minute and wait on the Spirit of God to move? Speaking of waiting, I have no clock on the back wall today, so who knows when we'll finish this? Not only did they gather, but when they showed up, they were bewildered. They were amazed. They were perplexed. They were mind boggled, if you will. Whatever words you want to plug in. The fact is when Pentecost took place, when the Holy Spirit moved on his people, we're talking about 120 people that were hanging out in an upper room. And when the Spirit was poured out on this 120 people, a multitude of people showed up and the multitude of people were mind blown. That's not even what I'm preaching today. 
but a move of the Spirit should bring a crowd and it should amaze the crowd. And in verse 7, they said, And how, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Are not all the, uh, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, uh, I can never say this word, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. I didn't count, but that's a lot of different people groups. That's a lot of different personalities. That's a lot of different cultures. And all of that in this one place and in this one moment, there was this immense unity that took place when the, when the Spirit moved, when the Spirit fell on the people. They gathered together. They were mind-blown. And not only were they mind-blown, they were unified in that moment from all these different places by the fact that they were hearing their own language. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, they're filled with new wine. They thought they were drunk. I don't mind for some people to think I'm drunk sometimes. And then something takes place in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes and the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a very important statement. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that you did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will dwell in hope I wonder though is it really that when we see the Lord that these things take place for us I saw the Lord before me he's at my right hand therefore my heart was glad my tongue rejoiced and my flesh will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption you have made known to me the path of life you will make me full of gladness with your presence brothers this is back to Peter's talking I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of the descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out 
this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord uh, said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What makes this message any different than us preaching Jesus now? Why is it that when we preach, it's so, this was a simple sermon. I just read you his entire sermon in about three minutes. I'm expected to stand up and preach 25 to 30. In three to five minutes, he cut them to the heart. Why? Why is it that this made the difference? Because this has taken place after an incredibly powerful move of the Holy Spirit. How often are we attempting to deliver a message? How often are we attempting to witness to somebody outside of that power that's working? How, how often are we attempting to do it on our own rather than standing up after we've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit? They said, what do we have to do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And this short, simple message after Pentecost, we've gone from 120 to now over 3,100 people. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as they had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They had to have been church of God because they were receiving food with gladness and eating daily. Bless the Lord. What was the purpose of Pentecost? First of all, the biggest outcome that took place in that moment in this, in this day was 3,000 people. So the multitude gathered. I have no idea how big the multitude was, but it was at least 3,000 people because they heard 120 making a difference. They heard 120 filled with the Holy Spirit and making this ruckus that sounded like they're all drunk, but then they're all actually speaking and delivering the message of the gospel in different languages. 
and 3,000 people from this multitude came to know Christ. The number one purpose of Pentecost is salvation of the lost. Has to be. It's not necessarily for me and you and our benefit and our pleasure. Does that happen? Yes. Do we see a powerful move of God? Yes. And there's more to this in a minute. There are other reasons. There are other purposes behind Pentecost. But the number one reason is that the lost might be saved. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter how good it makes me feel. It doesn't matter uh, what kind of, remember those Sunday night services that used to take place and, and, and we could, I remember very vividly, I couldn't have been much older than McCaden and I remember the big old preacher standing on the back of the pews and walking across them and walking back. And it was, but as good as that is, that won't the purpose of Pentecost. The purpose of Pentecost was for the lost to be saved. That was the initial first response on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people came to know Christ. They were baptized and they were saved and they repented of their sins. Very shortly after, as they devoted themselves to prayer and the teaching and the fellowship, Every single day, people were being added to the number that was saved. Acts 1 and 8, you know this passage, this verse, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What was the reason? Why did we receive power? In order to be witnesses, in order that the lost might be saved. The purpose of Pentecost was for the salvation of the lost. Secondly, the second reason, the second purpose for Pentecost was so that the Holy Spirit could teach truth and obedience. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you and I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue and be careful to obey my rules. No longer, Ezekiel's prophesied, no longer will you be hard-hearted, but now you're going to have a heart of flesh and my spirit is going to bring you the ability and the desire to obey the teaching of Scripture. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 14, verse 26. He said, but the helper or the advocate or the comforter, ever what adjective you want to put there for the Holy Spirit, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. I'm not good enough to remember this book. Mitchell is one of the world's worst scripture memorization people on the face of the planet. Always you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm not by myself. I 
can most likely quote you some scripture, but if you ask me to show it to you, I'm going to say, let me find Google. Because it's in me, and I can regurgitate it. And the Holy Spirit will bring to my remembrance what I've been spoken, what the, the things that have been poured into me. But for me to say, where does this live? What's the address of this verse? I'm going to say he lives at 2401 Cross Hill Street in Eastover, North Carolina. But the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus himself said, he was given, the Holy Spirit was sent to you so that you could have to, to teach you all the things and to bring you remembrance of the things that have been said. How are we supposed to be ready in season and out of season? How are we supposed to be ready to deliver a message, a simple message of love? And I'm not talking about standing up and giving a three or five or six point sermon like I am today. I'm talking about just being able to regurgitate when somebody's struggling and saying, hey, let me just explain to you what Jesus did for me. He is hope. He's life. There's freedom in the spirit. The word says that the spirit of the Lord is freedom and where there's freedom, there's liberty, right? It don't matter where it's at. I know the word of the Lord says it. The Holy Spirit will bring it back up. How am I supposed to be ready without the moving of the Holy Spirit? John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will guide you into all truth. The purpose of Pentecost was to teach truth and obedience. Number three, to strengthen and empower the believer. I told you there's some personal uh, thing for this. It's not all about salvation for the lost, but the number one reason is salvation for the lost. The problem is we get it flipped. We get it flip-flopped in the Holy Spirit receiving the baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life is all about me, 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 and what, what God can do for me, but that's not the way it works. What's intended to be is it's more about what I can pour out for other people, and through the pouring out to other people, God takes care of me. The strengthening and empowering of the believer, Romans 8, 26, says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm weak often. I've got a, a background that I made from a sermon I was listening to this week, and it says that I'm weak today, though anointed king. It's 2 Samuel three thirty nine. David said, I'm weak today, but yet I'm still anointed. I might be weak, I might be struggling, but I'm still anointed. I'm still the king. I need strength in my weakness. And the Holy Spirit is that strength. For when we don't know what to pray, as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us, with groanings too deep for words. That's our prayer language, which comes in a second. Number four is freedom from self and sin. I need freedom from my mind and my own thoughts more often than I need from anything else. <laughs> I'm my own worst critic and I'm my own worst enemy so often. I'm the loudest voice that I hear in my head more times than not. I'm the one to tell myself that I'm not good enough or that I'm not capable or all the things that I'm doing wrong. I'm the one to put me down. And I need freedom from self. 
2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul says, Now the Lord is spirit. This is what I just quoted to you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If the spirit of the Lord is in me and is working through my life, there the spirit of the Lord is. And where the spirit of the Lord resides, there's freedom. Freedom from the obligation to sin. Not freedom from temptation. Freedom from the obligation to follow through with temptation. Freedom from my own thoughts and and my own insecurities. Freedom from me. Freedom from what you think. Because where the Spirit of the Lord resides, there's freedom. Five, the purpose of Pentecost, the fifth reason was hope for the believer. Romans 5.13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Some days are hopeless, (laughs) right? I went to the doctor a while back, and they give me this mental health questionnaire. Out of the last two weeks, how many days have you felt hopeless? Do you want me to be honest? Some days are hopeless, but when you think back about those hopeless days, chances are you've not had a Pentecost experience like we had in here this morning. You've not been in the presence of God. You've not allowed the Holy Spirit to actively move in you because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when this little spark of a match, I love this little graphic because it's nothing but but an ignition of a match, but that one little spark can start a wildfire. And the purpose of Pentecost in yours and my life was to bring hope to a believer. It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I need hope. Hope for tomorrow. Hope that somehow, some way, this crazy world might sort of turn around and that my kids are going to get to come up in something that's somewhat halfway decent. I need some kind of hope for tomorrow. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And then the sixth purpose of Pentecost was communication. We can't miss this. This is part of our fundamental doctrine as Pentecostals. In Acts chapter 2, where I just read you, There come a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house and then divided tongues as the fire rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the very first thing they did was they began to speak. They began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them. I love the way the New Living Translation says the ability. The utterance. The Holy Spirit gave the language, and then they spoke it. On this day, it was a missional tongue. I'm not getting into the whole deep thought process and theology today of the different areas of speaking in tongues. On that day, it was missional. 
It was there for a reason when, when all those Parthians and Medes and all those people from Cappadocia and, and Asia and Pontus, when all those people were from all of these different places, they began to hear their language spoke by the ones that were just filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them an opportunity, gave them a way to communicate with somebody that otherwise they couldn't. I'm waiting on the day that the Holy Spirit baptizes me with a gift of Spanish. Bless the Lord. And I'm waiting on that missional tongue so that I can stand in a pulpit before a Spanish congregation and I can preach it and, and I can speak in Spanish and I don't have to have a translator. Communication. Communication not only with people that otherwise they weren't able to communicate with. Maybe it's not that we start speaking Chinese or Japanese through the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just that we have a boldness that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody that is completely different than we are. Maybe it's that we actually have a boldness to have a conversation with somebody that looks different and acts different and smells different and talks different and it's from this completely different place, completely different culture, completely different lifestyle that we would otherwise not have spoken to. I was riding down the road yesterday with a cousin of mine and he, we're, we're this group of bicycle gang, uh, bicycle, huh? motorcycle gang guys rode by us. The Outlaws from South Carolina, which apparently is some really bad bike gang. And we start having this conversation, and he starts telling me about a preacher that showed up at a bar in California on the corner, and he knocked on the door. Bartender said, come in, it's open. He said, I don't want to come in. He knocked again. Come in, it's open. He said, I don't want to come in. He knocked a third time, and the bartender and he said, what do you want? He said, I'm about to preach on the corner out here, and I'm wondering, if I put my drop cord through the window, would you mind plugging it in for me? Yes, sir, I'd be happy to. Puts his drop cord through the window, plugs it in, and the man starts preaching on the corner, and the hell's angels ride up. And, and the leader of the hell's angels walked up, smoking his cigarette, and he walked right up to this preacher, and he looked him in the face, and he pulled his shirt back and dropped his cigarette butt down the man's shirt. And the preacher looked at him and said, Son, God loves you. I love you. Don't you want to be saved? Big old huge tears welled up in this hell's angel's eyes. The man went and got back on his motorcycle and rode off. The only way you communicate, I'm talking about this is a uh, an old school whole, uh, Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal holiness preacher. The way that you communicate with the leader of the hell's angels who just dropped a cigarette butt down your shirt is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you bring big tears to his eyes and not a big gun out of his belt is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Communication. I already told you that Paul said, in my weakness, the Spirit knows what I need, and he's my strength, and he, when I don't know what I should pray, he gives me groan. See, I don't even know what the reference is. The Holy Spirit just brings it to remembrance. You with me? 
He said, well, I don't know what I should pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes for me. He prays for me with groanings that are too deep to understand. I just asked you if you had your prayer language to pray in your prayer language. Why? Because there's a communication. There's a direct phone line. Uh, They used to have, I have not been back in that day, but I've been watching a whole lot of Andy Griffith. And and there used to be, what, a party line where when you picked up, if somebody was on it, you had to hang back up, you had to wait. You were real bougie if you had a private line, right? You had a secure line. And so if you had that secure line, nobody else could jump on your phone line and my prayer language is like a secure line it's not like a party line are you with me if I start praying in English everybody gets to know and even Satan himself knows what I'm dealing with on my hopeless days when I say Jesus I'm hopeless and I'm struggling and I'm dealing with all this junk then the devil knows exactly how to attack me right but when I get on my secure line, when I begin to get on my secure line and I touch heaven, nobody can get on that secure line. Satan himself can't get on that secure line. And I've got a direct communication with the Father. The purpose of Pentecost was communication. All of that goes back to Saving the lost. If I'm no good, if I'm hopeless, if I'm battling myself, if I'm bound to sin, if I'm bound to myself, walk back through me. I don't even know the last six points I just told you, but we can start. If I, if I can't do these things, if I can't open my mouth and communicate with boldness, if I'm not free, if I'm not in this, this active relationship, then how can I ever get back to the place where I can save the lost. The purpose of Pentecost was so that the lost might be saved. Look at there, 1207. So what's the purpose of your Pentecost? Better yet, what have you done with your Pentecost? When I was jotting down my little notes for this thought process, and three thousand people divided by a hundred and twenty is twenty five. Here was my conviction today. 25 people that after the move of Pentecost, 25 people per person, they won to Jesus in one day. I'm going to come hide behind the wall because I don't even want to say it. My conviction was If I start counting backwards, how long would I have to go in time to get to the point that I have converted and seen 25 people changed through me in the power of Pentecost? I'm the pastor. 25 people in one day. Chances are, and I don't mean to put you down, chances are we've not done that in the last three years. 
right? We need a Pentecostal Holy Spirit move on our life. Daily. Daily. If the purpose of Pentecost was to reach the lost and for people to come to repentance, Mitchell is failing with my Pentecostal experience. I think we all are. Because we love the hope that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll abound in hope. We need that hope. We, we'll shout about that. That's exciting. Freedom from my thoughts and freedom from myself and freedom. We need that. That's exciting. Even, <clears throat> even the, the teaching and, and direction through Scripture and obeying the Word. Absolutely, I need that. That's exciting. The number one purpose of Pentecost is so that the lost might be saved. So wouldn't it make sense that the number one tactic of Satan would be to destroy that purpose? And we're letting him do it. We're letting him do it. 25 people. I'm not even going to make this about church growth. But just for kicks and giggles, could you imagine if everyone in this room didn't even take the pressure of saying one a day, but we said 25 people over the next 12 months? That's just like two and a little fraction of a person every month. Look at what would happen. The purpose of Pentecost. How does it happen? Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. How do we have, why do we have Pentecost? Why did we experience a move of the Holy Spirit today? I believe we had each one of those ingredients. Right? How do we experience it? Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. I'm not a CD that just skipped. I recognize I repeated. Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. How do we see law saved? How do we see God moving miraculously through us? How do we see this ridiculous sound that erupts out of this building that brings a multitude of people from this community? Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. What's the purpose? Why do I be obedient? Why does it matter? That I devote myself, they devoted themselves to prayer and fellowship. Why do I devote myself to prayer and fellowship? So that the lost might be saved. Why is it that I have to be patient? Why is it that we're here and it's almost 12, 15 and pastor's still preaching and he ain't hushed yet? Why is it that we took our time to make it through and have a move of the spirit a while ago? Because there's lost people that need to be saved. Why do we show up? 
Why do we gather? Why do we come together? Why do we put aside the personal difference that don't matter? Because lost people need to be saved. I don't like the color green. It don't matter. People need to be saved. Why do you need a Pentecost every day of your life? Because lost people are depending on you to be saved. Father, we believe as a church in the power of your spirit. We believe in the working of your Holy Spirit. We believe in the communication of the Spirit. We believe in the power and praying in other languages and praying in my prayer language, that secure line that I get with you. We believe, Father, the fact that you, your Spirit is active and alive. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you've moved right here in our midst today. There's no denying the fact that, it, that you're real and that you're alive and that you're active and moving in our life. Father, Today, maybe, maybe we've got a grasp of your heart and the purpose of Pentecost. Maybe today, God, we've got some sort of understanding of what matters. Is there hope for the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Is there freedom for the, the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit? You reside in me, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Are you teaching me to obey? Are you teaching me truth and obedience? Absolutely. According to your word, you're going to teach me to obey your commands, and, and you're teaching me to walk in truth. You allow me to communicate with you? Absolutely. But the purpose of Pentecost was displayed on that day when in a simple message 3,000 people came to know you. The purpose of Pentecost, God, I believe with all of my heart is that the lost might be saved. Father, use us Lord, we've experienced a move of your power here today. We've experienced a move of your spirit. Father, we've prayed prayers of power, prayers of faith. We've prayed prayers, God, that we know are going to be answered, that we know you're moving in already. The moment we prayed them, I believe, God, that you dispatched an army of angels for those situations, God. I have faith in that, and I stand on that today. We have experienced a Pentecostal movement in the house today. God, but don't let that be in vain, but rather the purpose of this move was so that loss might be saved. God, we take on a challenge of 25 people. 25, the 120 brought 3,000 people to come to know you. Lord, we, we're not taking on the challenge of 25 in one day, God, but we'll take on a challenge of 25 people over the next 12 months that maybe we can speak life into, maybe we can speak hope into, that we can, we can regurgitate and remember what it is that you've taught us, that, that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that people may abound in hope. Or let us speak hope to the hopeless. Let us have boldness to communicate. Use us, Father, for the purpose, the divine purpose of Pentecost, to see the lost saved.
Father, I thank you. We worship you today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and mess us up. To wreck our world and what we think normal would look like, God. To mess up what, what we think we, we should be and what we think we were, were even meant to be. Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to mess that up and make us what you want us to be. Use us, God, for the purpose of Pentecost. God, let us stay strong and be committed to the five ingredients of obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. And I believe, God, that you're going to pour your spirit out on us and we'll have new, fresh anointing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, use us to fulfill the purpose of Pentecost. Holy Spirit, use me. Allow me to be bold. Allow me to, to receive the hope. Allow me to have way, 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 way less hopeless days than I do days full of hope. Let me have fewer and fewer days, God, where I'm battling my own thoughts and my own insecurities, God, so that I can make a difference. Use me for the purpose of Pentecost. Lord, to reach the lost and see the lost come to know you. Father, I thank you. I bless your name today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.